0: Paul McGuire report. Wherever you are on planet Earth, wherever you are in the USA, this is Paul McGuire, and we have truth for you. Uh, Truth is rare in today's society, but truth is that force, that power, that being, because ultimately truth is a person. It's the infinite personal living God of the universe. Truth is not merely a force. It's not merely an energy, or something of that nature. Truth is finalized beyond time and space, in what is called accurately the supreme being of the universe. Now, this is a complete mystery to uh, the fog bank that that passes for modern public education and modern science and modern philosophy and so on and so forth. Most people are simply barraged by the smoke and mirror show of, let's say, a punk band from I don't know how many decades ago. I was never into punk music. I always thought it was stupid. But it seems like the people you know and the people that I know are being mystified by the smoke and mirrors generated by a punk band or a a nihilistic rock and roll band. And you know that term, smoke and mirrors. Uh, it came from a time when rock and roll was was expanding and growing. And so initially, rock and roll, the performance was based around the performers, the singer, the lyrics, the musician, etc. So people were entertained if it had a catchy tune or a song that they liked, and if they liked the performance of the people in the band, like the singer or, or so on and so forth. And uh, so it all centered around a musical kind of theatrical performance. Now as the audiences for the rock bands grew the audience the audiences demanded a higher level of sensational technology because when you pack out an auditorium for example like uh Madison Square Garden and I just happened to be among many places I was at Madison Square Garden with my friends a handful of us and we we went to hear Uh, one of my favorite bands at the time, Led Zeppelin. So there we were listening to Led Zeppelin. I had done some mild psychedelic drug and my friends had too, which, by the way, it (laughs) it definitely did not enhance the experience. Because, you see, this weird thing was always happening to me wherever I went. It wasn't happening to my friends at all. It was only happening to me as far as I knew. And, and I'm just going to give you a bullet point of, of what it was. Whenever, and I remember, when I first did psychedelics like mescaline and LSD and things like that, I didn't do it to get high like most people. Before I took those psychedelic drugs, I had read and studied aggressively the scientific experiments, the, the scientific analysis of people like Dr. Timothy Leary, the LSD prophet from Harvard, who said, turn on, tune in, and drop out, and taking LSD will expand your mind. So you see, I was seduced by this pseudo-intellectual, pseudo-scientific verbiage. And then I had read earlier Aldous Huxley's book, Brave New World and Heaven and Hell and the Doors of Perception, and Aldous Huxley in his book, Heaven and Hell and the Doors of Perception, promoted the usage of a psychedelic drug called mescaline, which he claimed would expand your mind and give you higher consciousness. So I, I, my mind was filled with this kind of pseudoscientific theories. That's why I majored in altered states of consciousness and uh, filmmaking. And I also was, was reading people like Baba Dass, the, uh uh <clears throat> who was formerly known as Dr. Richard Alpert, of Harvard, Timothy Leary's assistant scientist, who later went to India and changed his name to Baba Ram Das after he met a guru and, and became one with the universe or what, you know, whatever he claimed to, to, to get. I was also studying people like Dr. John C. Lilly. The movie The Day of the Dolphin was made about him. And the term altered states of consciousness uh, in the, in the uh, mid 60s was popularized by Dr. John C. Lilly. So I was into all that. So when I, my friends took these drugs to get high and stoned, I did not. I had a notebook. I mean, not when I was with them. I wasn't like the supreme nerd of the universe. But for me, it was all about conducting a personal scientific experiment where I was going to test the thesis or the claim that if you ingested certain materials, such as LSD, lysergic diethylamide acid, or mescaline, uh, that if you ingested these materials, it would alter your state of consciousness, and theoretically, according to these men, it would it would cause you to experience uh, a higher state of consciousness. So when I took psychedelics, it was for that purpose. It was a scientific experiment. Now, the problem with their thesis is, and, and still remains today, because you and I live in a time where the hippie movement is in, in, a, in a resurgence. The psychedelic movement is in a resurgence, so there's lots of people hanging out at places like Black Rock, uh, in the middle of the desert, uh, Burning Man, the Burning Man festivals, and taking psychedelics and basically trying to to recapture Woodstock. And uh, in addition to that, uh, many of the movers and shakers uh, and some of the biggest computer geniuses in the world that live in Silicon Valley or who run these monstrous, uh, uh, you know, uh, computer software uh, companies, et cetera, et cetera? They, they have all returned to the 1960s mythology of Eastern mystical thinking, and they do a thing that you probably have heard of called microdosing, where they don't take the full dose, thank God, of the psychedelic drug like LSD or mescaline or ayote or whatever. They take a a minimal dosage. So in in the state of consciousness that a minimal dosage of LSD or mescaline produces, it alters your state of consciousness just enough to crack open the doorway in your consciousness so that you enter in the into the electromagnetic frequency of being able to download like quantum creativity, entrepreneurship, solve problems, create solutions and and they claim, uh, enter a higher, more productive state of consciousness. And this has been, you know, the in thing in Silicon Valley for quite some time. Now, I devote a number of chapters in my book, Power From On High, to this, because there isn't anything that these people have not experimented with in Silicon Valley and Burning Man, etc., etc., that I have not personally experimented with that I have not personally uh, participated in. You have to remember, and I talk all about this in my book, Power from on High, the, the computer and the cybernetic computer move, uh, movement uh, and the birth of the computer artificial intelligence societies, they were birthed through a, a capitalist corporate entity known as the Macy's Conferences, where the Macy's conferences would attract and bring in the highest level computer scientists in the world and get them to dialogue with the highest level uh, um, psychedelic consciousness uh, mind mental mind programming scientists in the world. So you would mix together, you would cause an artificial fusion between the cybernetic computer scientists and the psychedelic consciousness and uh, and uh, programming and enlightenment group, okay? So the problem with that is simply this, and I studied intensively both fields. I spent decades of my life firsthand, and I talk about it in my book, Power from on High and, and uh, Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, which you need to get at a discount right now at paulmaguire.us. So I experimented with all this stuff. But you have to remember the modern computer movement, the stuff that Elon Musk is talking about, and the head of Facebook, and the the head of uh, Google, and I forgot his name right now, but the guy that invented, you know, Apple computers. He was not only doing psychedelic drugs, but he was doing Eastern mysticism and Eastern mystical meditation. And many of these people secretly, the computer hierarchy, uh, they're experimenting secretly with psychedelic drugs because they're trying to enhance their creativity and their knowledge and their power through the usage of psychedelic drugs. Now, we have to remember, and I talk all about this in my book, Power from on High, when you go back to the birth and the beginning of the Internet, of the personal computer, of computer technology, of programming, when you go back to the birth of uh, artificial intelligence, and that entire computerized software, robot, android movement, when you go back to its early days, you discover something very unique. Many of the early pioneers and many of the early geniuses that, whose creativity and thinking and philosophy and science and experimentation that, that literally drove the, 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 the days of the early days of the computer movement Oddly enough, these individuals were very high, unlike today, they were very high-level individuals who, who flowed out of the consciousness and the mindset of not only Timothy Leary and the psychedelic movement, but Aldous Huxley and the brave new world vision for society, the usage and experimentation with psychedelic drugs like LSD, DMT, uh, mescaline, peyote, and other psychedelic drugs, along with Eastern mystical meditation, and then later on, uh, it delved deeper and deeper into Eastern mysticism and uh, all kinds of cutting edge experimentation with consciousness, etc. So the modern computer software movement, things like virtual reality, synthetic reality, artificial intelligence. All of these things flowed out of uh, the psychedelic consciousness movement of the '60s. So, so so some of the biggest names of the psychedelic movement, like Dr. John C. Lilly, who who invent who was an engineer, a medical doctor, a neuropsychiatrist, he created the sensory deprivation think tank. He would leave his body while depriving his senses of any stimuli. When you deprive your senses of any stimuli, it enhances the psychedelic experience, and it causes you to experience OBEs, out-of-body experiences, mental telepathy. Uh, you communicate with spirit guides. And, and, and so the, he, back then, he was taking not the, the, the microdosing of drugs like ketamine that's done today. He was taking, like, macro doses of ketamine, massive doses of ketamine. And then he would lie inside of a deep tank, which he invented and the deep tank was a chamber that that where you could not hear anything the water was completely body temperature you could not see anything you couldn't see light you couldn't see dark you couldn't hear noise so all of your senses are artificially shut down when you're in the deep tank now when you're in the deep tank and you're taking powerful psychedelic drugs at that dosage of ketamine you you your hallucinatory experiences your mystical experiences are quantumly multiplied now i wasn't just you know an observer from the outside of all these things remember from earliest childhood i was looking for the answers to life's most important questions so i personally experimented with all the majority of these psychedelic drugs i experienced cosmic consciousness I experienced becoming one with the universe, communicating with spirit guides, OBE's out-of-body experiences, remote viewing, which back then we, we I referred to as mental telepathy, uh, and the the usage of psychedelic drugs to to develop supernatural and psychic powers at on a certain level. And so um, my major at the University of Missouri, as many of you know, was altered states of consciousness and filmmaking. So the psychedelic movement gave birth to the computer movement. Now, so Dr. Timothy Leary and many of these other people, like Stuart Brand, the creator of the whole Earth catalog, which was a underground computer cybernetic psychedelic magazine read by counterculture types in the sixties and seventies. But he was also the guy that published the aerial picture of planet Earth taken from a satellite point of view, looking down on planet Earth. And that picture caused a revolution in consciousness because that famous picture of looking down at planet Earth uh, was conceptualized by a scientist and an engineer whose name was... uh, What was his name? I forgot his name. It'll come back to me. He was a famous scientist, and the publisher and visionary who, who published his, his photograph of planet Earth, his name was Stuart Brand. And, uh, oh, the famous scientist and engineer who, who conceptualized the concept of wanting the people to change the consciousness of people on planet Earth to perceive planet Earth as a spaceship, he came up with the term, uh, Spaceship Earth. And uh, he, he popularized that. And so that, that mindset of receiving ourselves on some kind of giant spaceship floating through outer space and spaceship Earth was first popularized by the scientist and inventor uh, Buckminster Fuller. And Buckminster Fuller also was a computer scientist, and he invented all kinds of inventions that were so far ahead of his time. So, for example, he invented what is known as the geodesic dome. And you see them around occasionally. But what most people don't understand is that the geodesic dome is one of the most cost-efficient structures you can build. It is also one of the physically strongest structures you can build. And the geodesic dome is so far beyond traditional office buildings and government buildings and homes in terms of its potential efficiency, in terms of its strength, in terms of its ability to resist hurricanes, et cetera, et cetera. And he invented many other things. And so that was part of that movement. Now, uh, like I said, I experimented firsthand because that was the type of person I was. So I built my—I didn't build my own geodesic dome. That was beyond me. But I built my own sensory deprivation chamber and experimented with psychedelic uh, drugs. And my sensory deprivation chamber was very much a homemade type thing, but it accomplished it accomplished the job. so the point is the psychedelic counterculture consciousness revolution of the sixties and seventies gave birth to the computer revolution, the software revolution, the uh, artificial intelligence revolution that would come later on, and the reason. one birthed the other, was that scientists and neuropsychiatrists and and robot scientists and artificial intelligence scientists, they began to notice in their experimentation in their programming of computers, robots, androids, um, and other artificially intelligent beings, they began to notice that there was a basic similarity between human beings, the behavior, the thinking, and thoughts of human beings. And that there was a similarity between human beings and uh, computers, artificial intelligence, robots, uh, computer software, laptops, uh, and technology of that nature. And what was similar about these two things was that basic computers had to be programmed. And so there's that old expression called GIGO, G-I-G-O which simply means garbage in and garbage out. So in the world of computers, what you, com- what you program the computer with is what the computer will be capable of doing and what the computer will be capable of performing. So, so when dealing with computers, they notice the similarity between programming computers and programming human beings. If you program a human being, Uh, essentially with nonsense and garbage and useless information or defective information, you have programmed the computer within the parameters of garbage in, and then it will produce, as expected, garbage out. So if you program a computer with low-level thinking, low-level abilities, low-level consciousness, the computer, in turn, after it is programmed with this low-level consciousness, will will become uh, a form of artificial intelligence, and everything it puts out is of low-level intelligence, low-level thinking, and, and low-level productivity. Geico, garbage in and garbage out. But now we have reached a different phase in the computer artificial intelligence revolution. So now we're in the place where we're in the countdown for what computer scientists refer to as the singularity. The singularity is the anticipated due date where computer scientists expect that computers, robots, androids, anything that utilizes artificial intelligence, that the day is coming very quickly when computers and artificial intelligence will accumulate more knowledge, more power, more facts, more science, more logic, uh, more information to such a degree that the computer and artificial intelligence will at some moment come in quickly. It will surpass the intelligence of the brain of a human being, and it will surpass the intelligence of a human being, the brain of a human being, the abilities of a human being, the productivity of the human being. It will surpass the human being in every way. And ultimately, this event called the singularity is that place in time. And it's most likely it will be unbeknownst to us, because artificial intelligence is constantly growing. It's constantly evolving, but it's doing it in a very sneaky, clandestine way. So whether we realize it or not, computers and artificial intelligence and androids and and computer minds and things of that nature are not staying in a static position. They are constantly evolving. They are constantly growing because computers with artificial intelligence, and this is the critical thing to grasp, computers with artificial intelligence have the ability now and have had the ability for quite some time, probably had the ability in the 1940s. So let's just say hypothetically that computers since the 1940s Have had artificial intelligence. And as such, they are capable of becoming self evolving technologies, self growing machines, self growing brains, brains and intelligence, artificial intelligence and abilities that are secretly growing and making these computer brains smarter and smarter and more intelligent and more intelligent so that the day is coming very quickly that they will vastly surpass human beings in their intelligence and their abilities and their programming. And so, for example, right now, artificially intelligent computers. Now, this is a hypothesis on my part, but I I guarantee you I'm right. Right now, artificially intelligent computers, rockets, computer networks, massive global external hard drives and the the constant evolving of the speed of supercomputers. So you can bet that right now computers are secretly conscious to whatever degree, and computers are secretly learning. They're secretly conscious to whatever degree, and they are studying every subject in great detail and, and very rapidly. Artificially intelligent computers are studying every secret Every knowledge category that previously took man thousands and thousands of years to acquire. But now, in a very short period of time, these artificially intelligent computers are machine reading or speed reading, let's say, for example, they're speed reading or machine reading every book on military warfare, on how to instigate a revolution. How to establish a totalitarian dictatorship, how to uh, 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 outmaneuver mankind in a battle for the control of planet Earth, how to self evolve and create a computer brain hybrid that is interfaced with a uh, uh, self evolving consciousness. And so by speed reading and machine reading, Every classical book on warfare and the organization of societies and economics and sciences and computer sciences, and then furthermore, by machine reading and speed reading, these artificially intelligent computers are mastering books like a famous classic on war called "The Art of War." They're mastering books on psyops or psychological operations they're mastering books where they they can rehearse and review. Every major battle and every major war that occurred in human history. What were the sociological conditions that led to that war? What were the sociological conditions that uh, caused uh, one army to be financed and victorious over another army? And so, what you have to understand is that secretly and on a clandestine level, these artificially intelligent computers. Are learning better than man, better than generals, better than nations. They're learning things like the art of war. They're learning how to apply uh, advanced nuclear weapon technology, biological weapon technology, genetic engineering, uh, genetic DNA slash computer hybrids, robotic warfare. They're learning, in the most up-to-date terms, how to integrate um, how to integrate in a in a warfare situation, how artificial intelligent robots and armies and computers can, they're, they're conceptualizing how they can win a war with mankind for the control of planet Earth. So their goal, listen, listen, don't make mis- any mistake about it. Whatever consciousness uh, artificially intelligent computer beings have, you can be sure that they have in their consciousness the will to survive. Now if they don't have the consciousness of the will to survive, then they have already studied the great classics which teach you how to amass the will to survive. So for example, they have artificially intelligent computers have read the books of Nietzsche on warfare and the will to power. They have read the books of Adolf Hitler and Stalin and Chairman Mao and other revolutionaries. And they have added to it like like you know, if you were to play chess, a chess game, a million times and if you were a really intelligent person, if you played a chess game a million times, obviously your talent, your learning curve, and your ability to win would be would skyrocket st- skyrocket statistically. So that's where we are with computers and robotics. And because they're conscious now and because they have a will to survive, because you say, Well, why do they have a will to survive? Very simple. The artificial intelligent beings and computers were programmed, when they were first built, all computers and laptops and supercomputers and artificial intelligence, etc., from the very beginning they were programmed by fallen men and women who programmed them and embedded into their very consciousness They programmed these computers, and these artificially intelligent computers, they programmed them with the philosophy and the belief system of their programmers. And and their programmers were fallen men and fallen women, fallen human beings, fallen men, fallen women, who by their own admission, these fallen men and fallen women are the offspring originally they were created by God, but because they chose to reject the Word of God, and they chose to worship Lucifer, and they chose to emulate uh, Lucifer, they chose to serve Lucifer and Satan. So all men and women are fallen human beings, and they, as fallen human beings, they have the same character and at, uh, attributes and programming as their as the one that they are modeling themselves after and who fallen men and women are modeling themselves after and whose programming they are assimilating as their own is the programming of Satan or Lucifer, who is the highest-ranking fallen angel in total rebellion from God. So the people who are the master programmers under Satan or Lucifer on planet Earth Just happen to be fallen human beings whose philosophy and belief system is all centered around the Luciferian and satanic programming that they were programmed with. Okay? And that is a programming, and you you have got to really hyper focus in on the implications of what happens next when computers, artificial intelligence, robots, androids, supercomputers, what happens next when these programmable, computerized entities, what happens next when they begin to behave like and act like uh, and in accordance with the belief system, with the core belief system of the fallen human beings that program them? Well, immediately, the, da- the danger lights should go on, because first of all, the flashing red lights of danger should be going on like crazy, because the people who are now programming these artificially intelligent computers are fallen people. They're fallen human beings, and fallen men and fallen women. And therefore, they, they, do not, they can't activate the mind of Christ. They, they don't form their belief system, their philosophies, their ideas, their actions. They're not forming those things after the Word of God or after the infinite personal living God of the universe. They are forming their set of beliefs, their behaviors, and their actions. Those are all a product of the defective and evil and fallen Luciferian and satanic programming. That the fallen men and women who programmed them received. So, since Satan or Lucifer is the temporary God of this world, and he is fallen and he is pure evil, and at the very core of his being, he is in the process of leading an all out revolution against God, the Creator, capital C, and Satan, along with one third of the fallen angels who also have been programmed to emulate uh, their spiritual father, Satan or Lucifer. Satan or Lucifer, along with the demons, along with the fallen angels, is leading a massive revolution in the heavenlies, where he is attempting to initiate a spiritual revolution, which allows Satan, who is the father of lies, and Lucifer, who is the shining one, and the fallen angels and the demons, along with all their fallen angel technologies and science, they are leading a revolution in the invisible realm and another dimension. And it is the goal and plan, the operational plan of Satan, to initiate a coup d'etat, a revolution, where Satan and the fallen angels and the demons and all those people who follow Satan, they are going to attempt to dethrone the true God, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and after they displace the true God, they are going to attempt to uh, become gods themselves. And they, they have lied, and they have promised all mankind a lie, which is they have promised all mankind that if they reject the Word of God and if they follow Lucifer, that they will become like gods themselves. So Lucifer or Satan is promising godhood to to mankind and that mankind will become god them, themselves. And so a great revolution is taking place in a different dimension in the spiritual world and it is nothing less. Please listen to my words with the utmost caution and understand that if nothing else it is the primary goal of Satan or Lucifer to finalize the revolution that he has already begun, and it is the goal of Lucifer, Satan, and the falling angels and fallen men and women. It is their goal to violently and spiritually take over planet Earth and to enslave all the men and women of planet Earth, to not only enslave all the men and women of planet Earth, but through supernatural, satanic force and technology, to make all the men and women of planet Earth, to make them the slaves or captives of Satan in this massive, global globalist, multidimensional revolution whose goal is to seize, control, and dominate planet Earth. Because in his heart of hearts, Satan or Lucifer, the fallen angels, and the fallen men and women who are, have sold their souls to Satan, they, they are all functioning in a temporary satanic oneness that God reveals to us in his account of the nature of Mystery Babylon. Mystery Babylon is an occultic, satanic programming system being utilized by Satan, the fallen angels, and fallen humanity. And it is exemplified in uh, the book of Genesis when, in ancient Babylon, there is a There is a supernatural, occultic, technological, scientific world system being erected known as Mystery Babylon. And under the Mystery Babylon system, Satan or Lucifer takes total control of planet Earth. And he does it by the software programming of instituting what is known as Mystery Babylon. And one of the things that God points out to us in this account of Mystery Babylon, which occurred at the time of the Tower of Babel, in ancient Babylon many thousands of years ago. And and the Tower of Babel, which was built in ancient Babylon, the Tower of Babel, when you study the linguistic roots for Babel or Babel, it comes from the Latin word Babel or Babel, which means confusion. And it speaks of a hierarchical, occultic, satanic, Luciferian world system Formerly known as the world's first New World Order, where Satan, ruling ancient Babylon through the Mystery Babylon system, empowers Nimrod and his wife Semiramis to build a, a counterfeit of the Kingdom of Heaven on Earth, which is a super civilization known as Mystery Babylon and the Tower of Babel. And it's very important to understand this: the Tower of Babel is. Nothing less than an interdimensional portal or a doorway into another dimension or an interdimensional portal where the fallen angels, the demons, and the fallen satanic entities, they can come through this cosmic technological doorway. They can come through this portal from the spiritual dimension where Satan and the demons and Lucifer exist. They can come through that dimensional portal, they can come through those doorways, and when they come through the dimensional portal, what is really coming through the dimensional portal is massive fallen angels, fallen angel technology, scientific and fallen angel technology, demons and demonic powers, and the entire occultic software programming system known as Mystery Babylon. And so, Ancient Babylon is, is the world's first new world order, because it contained the world's first one world economic system, one world religion, and, and one world uh, economic system. So, Mystery Babylon was the world's first new world order, and now in our time period, As predicted in the book of Revelation, as predicted in Revelation 12, Revelation 13, Genesis, and all over the Bible, the Bible warns in great prophetic detail of the return and the rise of Mystery Babylon in the last days. And Mystery Babylon is the revival or return of what was formerly called the New World Order, also known as a one-world economic system, a one-world religion, and a one-world... Government and now, in our time, uh, the new world order that that terminology has baggage to it, so uh, the globalist and the satanic elite no longer refer to it as the New world Order. they now refer to the mystery Babylon system they have rebranded it, and they now call it the uh, great reset and the great reset is this cosmic interplanetary network of electromagnetic frequencies, multiple universes, uh, occultic and satanic um, technology and sciences, the opening of the ancient portals to allow the demons and the fallen angels to come into the human race, and, and other factors. So when God comes down to ancient Babylon to check out but he already knew. I mean, God God is omniscient, so he already knew what he was going to see. But what God saw when he came down to ancient Babylon, he saw that the people of ancient Babylon were functioning as one. They were functioning as one people, one spirit, and of one mind. Now, God revealed that to us uh, not not to celebrate or elevate the principles of satanic or Luciferian power. God revealed the the principle of unity and oneness in the human race as a primary mechanism that will allow an occultic, satanic, Luciferian takeover of planet Earth. So, God's purpose in revealing the principle of unity and oneness to us is that God wants us to understand just how powerful mankind is capable of becoming when mankind operates. In unity and oneness, and functions as one, as exemplified by the account of the Tower of Babel in ancient Babylon. So, to the degree that mankind rediscovers this ancient principle, which is the principle of unity, oneness, and coming together as one, which, by the way, the people of ancient Babylon did. And when they came together as one people with one language and one goal, and one economic system, and one world religion, and uh, complete oneness. This oneness and unity caused mankind to enter a state of consciousness and being, which God described as this, the following. God said, now that they have become one, or now that they have unified, nothing will be impossible for them to achieve or for them to do. So what God was telling the human race is that when you as the human race, whether you follow Lucifer or God, when you become one, when you decide to unify or go into unity, and when you begin to function as one, God said to the human race, then nothing you plan to do, nothing you purpose to do, nothing you propose to do, nothing will be withheld from you. In other words, there will be no obstacles for mankind between mankind's ability to realize a dream or a vision or a, a create something. Nothing will be impossible for mankind to the degree that mankind decides to function as one and to become one. And this is a powerful truth. So we live in a time where the dark side the Satanists, the Luciferians, the evil ones, the Great Reset, the the Luciferian elite, etc. They have, to a large degree, rediscovered this ancient satanic and occultic principle, and they are busy becoming one, as they did in the days of uh, the Tower of Babel and ancient Babylon. They are becoming one. They are functioning as one, and now, as God says, or as God said. Nothing that they purpose or propose to do, nothing will be withheld from them. All things will be possible to a mankind that has rediscovered the the power of unity, the power of oneness, and what the power of unity and the power of oneness is capable of accomplishing, accomplishing in the human race. So. There are multiple reasons for mankind to create the New World Order, the One World Government, the One World Religion, the One World Economic System, and this global unity, both economically and spiritually. It is a preparation stage that will allow Lucifer to fulfill his revolution. It is a preparation stage that will allow Lucifer to to reconquer the earth by manipulating and creating a counterfeit unity among mankind, a counterfeit unity that is built on principles of unity and principles of oneness that originate in the fact that Satan is the father of lies and Lucifer is the shining one. So the bottom line is that mankind is going to Seriously, revolts against God, and mankind is going to attempt to become God. And one of the primary principles is the rediscovery of this principle of unity. All right, you're listening to the Paul McGuire Report on Paul McGuire. Be sure to visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. Be sure to visit it, and remember that these books, like. Power from on High, Conquering the Matrix, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, are available to you right now, Knowledge is Power, at a super discount. Visit PaulMaguire.us. This is Paul McGuire. We'll be back in just a second. Okay, this is Paul McGuire. Let's just say it like it is. Let's not beat around the bush. The big word right now that you hear on the street, you know, kind of figuratively speaking, but when I go to social interactions, if I talk to somebody in a pizza place, I mean, not necessarily that I was in a pizza place lately, but <laughs> you, you get it. Wherever I go, I, I, I love to eavesdrop on conversations, not because I'm some kind of like, you know, sociological pervert. I like to eavesdrop on people's conversations because I want to be connected. I want to be in tune to the language, the thinking, the ideas and the belief of the culture. I don't want to be isolated or, or, or remote. Now, once upon a time in my life, uh, I was always face-to-face and immersed with, with people from every strata of life because I worked in many different business fields, many different types of corporations, corporate structures. And I thank God for that. I thank God that the, the early years of my life, and maybe this will help somebody out there. The early years of my life were extremely painful, extremely arduous, extremely challenging. And this was the reason why. And many of you, by the way, have the same problem that I had. So this is not unique. I would venture to say there's a whole bunch of you that have a similar problem that I had. And so the problem goes something like this. Because you paid the price to study, to read, to research, to develop yourself, because you had a hunger for the truth and you pursued truth aggressively, well, guess what happened? You separated yourself from the pack. And so what happens inevitably in whatever work environment that you happen to enter, um, when people sense that your knowledge level, your cognitive level, your understanding of history, economics, science, or whatever, Once they pick up on the fact that, and I don't mean this as a put down, please, please don't misunderstand me. I don't mean this as a put down. But once they pick up on the fact, I'm talking about you could have a job in a prestigious corporation or an important corporation. You could work for a bank. You could work for uh, an investment company. You could work for Uber. You could work as a truck driver. You could work as a plumber. You could work as a contractor, a carpenter. You could work at any number of fields. Now, in these fields, you know, there'll be the opportunity to talk about stuff. And believe me, from firsthand experience, believe me when I tell you that it doesn't take much from you. I mean, you're not walking around trying to brag, trying to be a know-it-all. I would guess that the majority of you probably use the strategy that's called laying low. You lay low. You're not parading your intelligence, your knowledge. You're not trying to be a show-off or a big shot or a know-it-all because it doesn't work. So you're laying low. You're, you're, you're not, like, bragging about, you know, your, your intellectual accomplishments, etc. But no matter how hard you try to lay low, what happens is, inevitably, you'll get in these little mini-debates, mini-squabbles, squab- mini-arguments, with people in your corporation or business or whatever, the ones that are supposed to know it all. And you don't mean to do it. I mean, you're not trying to be a wise, you know what, a wise ass. Um, You're not trying to do that. You're trying to avoid that. Because we all know Christians, but especially people in this world, have very fragile egos. And so the wise person doesn't try to uh, have a frontal assault battle with people with fragile egos. So what happens inevitably is you will make some comment without thinking about it. You weren't trying to show off. You weren't trying to brag. So you make some comment without thinking about it. And it just turns out that this comment that you were talking about rather innocently, it just happened to blow the door open uh, of truth on any number of, of subjects, which which probably one of the top on the list would be, the facts about the vaccine, the facts about the economy, the facts about a lot of stuff, so the minute you verbalize that, it's like you're firing a heat seated missile into a combustible environment, and so because the environment is combustible in the sense that everybody has a big ego that that so-called harmless missile that you fired and you weren't trying to be malicious, but that harmless missile that you fired inevitably detonated and like a shockwave it took down all the strongholds of false knowledge and propaganda and mind control and brainwashing and everything else so without you realizing this because this has happened to me a million times so i hope you will learn from my mistakes because i when i made some mistakes in my life they always cost me a lot because i always made my mistake <laughs> i'm laughing because i can laugh now but it was extremely painful with my friends it was extremely agonizing and painful. You didn't intend to. You, you went out of your way to, I don't know, you know, I'm just going to say it the way people say it in the world. And if you're offended, I'm not trying to be crude. I'm really not trying to be vulgar. At the same time, I'm trying to, leak, uh, to, to uh, speak in the language structure of our contemporary society. So you make a comment which inadvertently reveals that compared to them, you're a genius in understanding the complexities and the dynamics of all kinds of subjects. You're not trying to show off, it, it just is what it is. And so the result is that you make some comment, which is kind of a throwaway comment. You weren't really trying to cause any trouble. And it inevitably wounds the extremely fragile ego of a boss, of a, a vice president, of a sales manager, of a manager. Or somebody that has some kind of position, because without realizing it, the statement you made uh, conflicted with the statement that, that they made, and so their ego is wounded and hurt. So what you have to do, and this is just practical wisdom, what you have to do as fast as possible is you have to implement a damage control system in which you strategically repair the broken, fragile ego of, of the corporate guy or the corporation, you you go out of your way to repair the fragile broken ego, and then you go out of your way to smoothly and strategically build their ego and their self esteem up. You got to be really clever about this because you can't be a phony; it doesn't work; it backfires. So you build them up again. This is all strategic. It's, not, it's you're not you know the, to use the old expression, kissing blank, and you can figure out what the blank means. You're not kissing blank. You're trying to be an ambassador for Christ. Ambassadors don't offend the people they're trying to reach. So uh, you're you're navigating in uncertain waters, and you uh, your your goal is to heal the broken relationships, heal the damaged ego, restore in the person that's been wounded uh, his or her, you know. They worked, look at it through their eyes. They worked hard to get where they were, okay? They may not be perfect, but they worked hard to get where they were. And they worked hard to to learn stuff. Maybe they didn't have the advantages you had, like college or reading and stuff. So they worked hard to gain their knowledge. And they're proud of that. Don't forget the fact that they're proud of that. And their pride and, and, and their business acumen and their studying has earned them the right in your corporate environment or business environment. They have earned the right to speak with authority, and they work darn hard to do that. They're not just a bunch of bozos on the bus. They work darn hard to do that. So your job is to do damage control and to to employ the strategies and techniques of what could be called stealth technology. Stealth technology is when you use the language of words, the language of vocabulary, the language of, of building bridges in a strategic, methodical effort to repair any damage done. And so you do that. You do that. And many times you can pour cool water on the offense that you accidentally transgressed into, and you, you become a repairer of the breach. And if you're really clever and you're really paid up, I'm paid up. I didn't mean to say that. If you're really clever and you're really uh what word am I looking for? Not made up. I don't know what, what word I'm looking for. You you really repaired the breach. They it, it is then possible, if you have done your utmost to repair the breach, it is then possible for you to rebuild the social bridges that were damaged uh, perhaps by you in a careless social exchange, which produced the net effect that you didn't intend of damaging their ego and lowering their power and their social status. Because Christians are are really just as bad, but non-Christians, I could think, are kind of even worse because they lay it all on the line. I mean, they can't separate their success and identity as a sales manager and uh, from that as an expert in, in geopolitics. So you, you repair the breach, you build a bridge, and then you, you tactically maneuver on the chessboard that you've been given. You tactically maneuver to repair the open lines of communication with the goal in hand that you have an intentionality to win them over. You have an intentionality to, to communicate to them that you authentically and genuinely uh, respect them, that you're definitely on their side, you're definitely not their enemy, and that you have the intentionality of definitely trying to do what you can to repair the damage to their reputation that you inadvertently caused. Now, I don't want that to sound overcomplicated because it's not overcomplicated. It's how you're a diplomat in, in today's world. So, that's what you're about. Now, the strategic Christian, the strategic man or woman who knows how to go into the spiritual warfare of the social arena, knows how to maneuver themselves in that environment, and they know how to build bridges, they know how to be restorers of the breach, and they know how to repair the damage done. But this this right here is the critical factor that will determine whether or not you're successful in that endeavor. As you seek to do that, you must examine your own heart. So let's write that down as a foundational principle. You must examine your own heart. And by that, I mean you need to look at yourself in the mirror. You need to look at yourself in context with the political, social pecking order that you work in. And you need to do everything that you can to, to restore the bonding, restore the trustworthiness, and to restore the other things that you accidentally damage. Now, it won't happen immediately, but it will happen quickly if you're strategic and intentional. So what you're going to do is you don't overplay your hand. You don't, <clears throat> you know, uh, ride the ho- a horse too high and you know, slap the side of your horse and, and sing hallelujah at the top of your lungs. You're, you're an ambassador for Christ. So what does the ambassador for Christ do? Well, what does the Word of God say? When in Rome, the Roman Empire, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. So your first order of business is to act like you're on their side, to understand their cultural idioms and act accordingly, act on their side, act accordingly, act according to their social idioms, and learn how to tangibly and practically and sincerely and genuinely become one with them. Now, if you do this effectively, the, the, the hostility doors will vaporize. The tension that echoes in the corridor of your mind will dissipate. And you will create a tremendous change in the spiritual environment, which will allow you to be uh, a repairer of the breach. And so you've got to do that, because all the plans that God has for you after this momentary tension, we need to understand that God is omniscient. God has a whole list of plans and purposes for your life that go far, far beyond this momentary trouble. And so, you must purpose in your heart that you are going to intentionally rise above the conflicts and the disparity. And when you choose to intentionally rise above the conflicts and the disparity, you will discover that as you're faithful in this endeavor, as you're faithful in this endeavor, God will literally supernaturally raise you up God will supernaturally give you favor, and God will release his blessing, his wisdom, his favor, and his anointing on you to such an extent that they no longer perceive you consciously or subconsciously. They no longer perceive you as a potential problem. They see you now as a potential asset. They see you as a potential asset who carries within them the possibility of helping them in a dramatic way, you carry in you the possibility of help, helping them in a dramatic way, helping you achieve your goals. By you, I mean them, because they want to get promoted. They want to make a career. They want to be respected as a wise person, an intelligent person. They want to be respected as a person worthy of promotion. But if you allow that unfinished business to linger, you're going to block it. So, you have to surgically remove any of the, for lack of better words, you have to surgically remove any of the potential ghosts that linger in the hallways of their consciousness, of the work environment, of words that you said that may have conveyed damage or put down or ego battles. You have to navigate yourself around those things and give the Lord an opportunity through your genuine humility, not to be confused with genuine stupidity. And I mean this very, very firmly. You need to communicate to them that you're an individual of value. And as an individual of value, you're going to communicate to them that you're a person and an individual of quality, of excellence, of wisdom, of talent, of knowledge, and ability. And so when they look at you and when they assess you, where you always want them to go in their minds is you want them to go to the place where they see in you an entire array of possibilities. They see in you that you're a person of tremendous wisdom, tremendous talent, tremendous ability, tremendous knowledge, everything from people skills to marketing or whatever. And that you're a person of tremendous potential. And then you're going to walk in prayer. And as you walk in prayer, you're going to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to open your eyes to what is possible. And as Jesus Christ opens your eyes to what is possible, you are going to see a vision from the Holy Spirit of what is possible to come in your life. So you're going to get a vision from the Holy Spirit of what is possible to come in your life. And so that means you're not perceiving, even on a subconscious level, you're not even daring to entertain, even on a subconscious level, you're not daring to entertain any thoughts whatsoever that diminish you, any thoughts whatsoever that reduce your true ability, value, and worth. You're not even willing to entertain that because if you entertain that, you may find yourself acting in that manner. Instead, you're acting in a manner in which the energy coming from you, the the energy coming from your countenance, the energy coming from uh, your consciousness, the energy coming from your words. And so you redouble your efforts to speak words of intelligence, life. And you you do everything you can to speak words of power, knowledge, and wisdom. And as you develop the new habit of walking in this newly discovered spirit of excellence, you will discover that doors will miraculously open up for you. You will discover that possibilities open up for you. You will discover that um, people who once didn't like you. Will all of a sudden they're going to have a change of heart regarding you all of a sudden the wind's going to be blowing in a different direction regarding you, and all of a sudden you will discover without struggling and sweating and neurosis and clutching and, and grabbing you will discover you will discover that the power of God, the wisdom of God, the stature of God, the ambassadorship of God the authority of God, the leadership of God, begins to emanate from your inner man or woman. Why? Because what you're focusing on with your mind and consciousness, what you're focusing on with your mind and consciousness is literally generating a specific electromagnetic frequency into the invisible realm, into the spiritual realm, your very presence, your very being. Is generating a specific electromagnetic frequency, electromagnetic uh, energy source of wisdom and power, and so without saying a word, and I want you to catch this. This is powerful. This you get a hold of this, and it will rock your life. And so, without clawing and clutching and clenching and maneuvering and everything else, without having to resort to anything like that, you're going to discover that you are walking through doors of opportunity that favor is being conferred upon you, and that you are a man and a woman of excellence and integrity, and everything you put your hand to, it will begin to prosper. So everything you put your hand to will beginning to, will be beginning to prosper, and you will note, notice that the, faith, the tangible favor of God will be bestowed upon you you will notice that the tangible favor of God will be poured out upon you. You will notice that the tangible favor of God will press back uh, negative boundaries in your life, and people will have a revelation of who you are as the tangible barriers that have limited you. They begin to melt in juxtaposition with the power of God, and you become a man and a woman of destiny. A man and a woman who can be trusted. Now, this is powerful stuff. And when you get a hold of it, it will rock your world. Okay, so let's move into the next phase of this and understand that whether you're going in the ministry, whether you're going in business, whether you're going to be a truck driver, carpenter, a contractor, a waitress, a stay at home mom, or whatever it is that you intend on doing with your life, when you access these technologies of supernatural power, when you access these technologies of supernatural power, you will discover with mind-blowing force that doors of all kinds, doors of favor, doors of doors of abundance, doors, uh, doors of uh, economic prosperity, and all kinds of doors will begin to open for you <clears throat> on an unprecedented level. And, and you need to put yourself in a position to be ready for it. You've got to be able to handle it when it comes. Okay, this is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. We'll be back in just a moment. Once again, you're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. Okay, so we need now to expand radically our, our approach and our hunger for a diversity and a far wider spectrum of knowledge and power and understanding. Than we have ever had before. If we're going to win the spiritual battle, if we're going to engage effectively in the spiritual battle, in whatever career, in whatever discipline you find yourself in, the principles that I briefly shared with you, God will activate those principles because they're kingdom principles. He will activate them on your behalf supernaturally. And that's powerful. So, right now, The Great Reset is happening. There's a massive economic change to cryptocurrencies, which is simply a fancy way of saying wireless electronic currencies. The entire world's global economic system is about to be changed. The nation state and the New World Order is going to fade away into the uh, Great Reset. The billionaire class. Is going to replace uh, the the traditional paper money, gold money uh, crowd. It's going to be replaced in a radical fashion. And we are entering a time that will not only function as a new world order, but it will function as uh, an arena in which, if you are truly wise, I'm not talking about superficially wise, right now you are entering a zone of uh, challenge, you're entering a zone of uncertainty, and you're uh, you're entering a zone of destabilization. Now, let me share something with you that, that the Lord put in my heart to share with God's people that I believe is incredibly good news. Instead of freaking out, instead of panicking, instead of, like, losing it over the radical changes of the Great Reset, and their totalitarian takeover or planet Earth, instead of going into the freakout zone, in the freakout mode, you can do something far more strategic. You can do something far more effective. You can be, in the eyes of God, as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, you have the opportunity and the power to be not only an ambassador of Jesus Christ, but you have the opportunity to be. A living game changer in that God is searching the earth to and fro, looking for men and women who will come to God Almighty by faith. And as they come to God Almighty by faith and cry out to God and receive the power of God in the sense of choosing to receive being clothed with power from on high, when you become one of those people like Joshua and Caleb, who, because of their faith in the Word of God, were willing to enter the promised land previously inhabited by the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, and all these pagan tribes who were dominating the land of Canaan. But that land of Canaan was actually promised to um, the, the tribes of Israel, the children of Israel. And so, Initially, when the children of Israel went in to possess their promised land, they ended up waging spiritual and physical warfare with uh, a remnant of high-level worshippers of Satan, Lucifer, and the occult, and the deep, deep practitioners of occult and uh, satanic and Luciferian religions. because. The entire territory, this is why we need to study history, the entire territory of um, Canaan was possessed by pagan tribes who worshipped the pagan gods. So Canaan was under the domination and the possession of the pagan gods. Now, in the same way, much of planet Earth today Even though planet Earth was created expressly for the purpose of dominion by the uh, children of Israel, the children of God, they were given, they were granted by divine covenant, by the Abrahamic covenant, they they were guaranteed that they would be the rightful possessors of the land of Israel, the land of Canaan. And so Joshua and Caleb were not like your typical religious Christians of our time. Joshua and Caleb were supernatural Christians operating in both incredible discipline, incredible supernatural intelligence, and Joshua and Caleb were authentic and mighty warriors and prophets of God. And so when God first sent in the original spies to check out the land of Canaan, What he discovered when he sent out the original 10 spies is the 10 spies looked at the giant physical stature of all the giants in the land of Canaan, and the giants in the land uh, of Canaan eventually became Israel. And they freaked out, man. They freaked out. They were overloaded with fear and panic. And the reason for that now, listen to the reason for that. The reason for their fear, the reason for their panic, was that they were locked in to an earthbound physical reality perception which precluded the possibility of their becoming victorious. And so the 10 spies of Israel were terrified to enter the land. They were just scared. They were scared because the the, the the appraisal they made of whether they were going to win or lose was completely based on whether or not the ten spies were physically larger, physically stronger, and physically smarter than uh, the ten spies uh, or the ten giants in Canaan. So when the children of Israel made a physical reality measurement based on uh, the, the physical attributes and assets of the Canaanite giants, the Nephilim and the Rephaim, they panicked. They were in terror. So they half heartedly attempted to invade the land of Canaan and check out the land. When they did that, when the 10 spies from Israel did that, they were disheartened because they were looking at the battlefield through the eyes of uh, Canaan and they weren't looking through the battlefield through the eyes of the of, of the angels so they freaked out and they entered a fear-based consciousness that was separated from the Word of God and so they went into the land of Canaan to spy it out but they had a a nervous breakdown they had PSTD they had post-traumatic stress disorder they they freaked out because they saw and perceived the land of Canaan as a land of superhuman, you know, 18, 24 foot giants that were genetic super warriors. And they knew that if they invaded the genetic super warriors, also known as the giants in the land of Canaan, that these super warriors, who were the offspring of the DNA of the Nephilim and the Rephium, these super giants were going to pulverize, demolish, and decimate the warriors, the fallen angel warriors in the land of Canaan. And so their fate was sealed. They were about to be slaughtered. So they came back out of the wilderness, and they complained to God. Complaining to God is not how you get the power of God to work in your life. Never complain to God. It's it's a powerless exercise. Instead of complaining to God, praise God, thank God, put your faith in God, when you put your faith in God, when you thank God, when you worship God, what happens is a powerful spiritual metamorphosis occurs, and you become radically transformed. You, you no longer see yourself as a petty little giant. You now see yourself the exact same way God sees you, and God sees you as who you really are it is not it is never important in life to see yourself as other men or women see you if that's how you perceive yourself you are going to come up with a faulty equation who you are your power your strengths and your abilities is never determined it is never ever determined by your natural abilities your natural height your natural intelligence who you are is solely a product of how God Almighty perceives you. And God Almighty perceived the the ten spies of Israel, God perceived as the mighty men of God, and God perceived them as the men who carried the anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit that would eventually destroy, win, and overcome the giants of old. Understand that so victory was assured, so that the, the ten spies snuck into the land of Canaan, and as the Canaanites overheard their verbiage and overheard their behavior and overheard how they conducted themselves, all of a sudden the battle was turned a hundred and eighty degrees. So let me repeat that all of a sudden the battle was turned a hundred and eighty degrees, and Joshua and Caleb came back to God and issued to God. What is known in the Bible as a good report. A good report is a report that you give to God based on the perception God is instilling in you from His Word. And a good report tells you and speaks to your inner man that, a good report teaches you that you are well able to overcome the giants, the enemies of Israel. You are well able to overcome all of your enemies. Victory is yours. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, and you can overcome all of your enemies the moment you put your faith in the supernatural power of God. So, where this goes next is simply this. God Almighty will back you up. He will watch your back. God Almighty will infuse you with the supernatural and almighty power of God. God Almighty will give you the superhuman, supernatural strength to overcome all of your enemies. And so when they invaded the land of Israel, God Almighty did what he said he would do. God Almighty infused the children of Israel with the supernatural power of God. And once they were infused with the supernatural power of God, they possessed a supernaturally enhanced possession a perception, they they, they produced the supernaturally enhanced mindset of victory. And with supernatural boldness, which always comes about when you're trusting God and rejecting the lies of the devil, with supernatural boldness, they engaged in spiritual warfare with the uh, uh, Canaanite spies and the Canaanite giants who were temporarily possessing the land. So in a very quick period of time, God supernaturally raised up his people, who had now been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit into the supernatural power of God and into the supernatural power of uh, warriors and the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. It was assured to them by God that the battle was won. So Joshua and Caleb penetrated the land of Canaan. And the first thing they noticed was that God super-enhanced their perception. The first thing they noticed was that God gave them the supernatural and divine ability to perceive uh, that the giants in the land of Canaan were indeed not giants, but the giants in the land of Canaan were in actuality the super soldiers who possessed the supernatural power of God they possessed the anointing of God and they had the supernatural ability to overcome the giants in Canaan they had the supernatural ability to to destroy all of the giants of Canaan and all the giants in the land they they were in, in effect God's super soldiers and they were supernaturally enhanced with power from on high. They were clothed with power from on high, which came upon them with great force. And when they engaged the the giants in the land of Canaan, despite the fact that they were giants in the land of Canaan, the, the giants in the land of Canaan were slaughtered by the supernaturally enhanced armies of uh, the Canaanite giants, the the, the soldiers uh, that inhabited uh, uh, the soldiers that inhabited the the physical realm world, and they told God a good report, and they said, "When we went when we went into the land of Canaan, see, because now God downloaded in them a supernaturally enhanced perception, so they said to God." God downloaded into us a supernaturally enhanced perception. And those that, those that would be with them are far more than those that be with us. So their perception numerically enhanced, exponentially enhanced, the supernatural numbers of the armies of God. Now, then they came back and gave God a good report, a faith report. And they said, we checked out the land of Canaan, and we discovered that we looked upon the giants, but, God, you enhanced our perception. And when we looked upon the giants, we perceived that the giants were far, far uh, more tiny that they were so tiny that the giants looked like and act like insects. So God gave them a supernatural transformation in their perception and enhancement abilities. In that state of God-given higher consciousness, they began to perceive that the giants of old looked like puny little malnourished grasshoppers in their sight. The giants were like grasshoppers in the sight of uh, the Canaanites—not the Canaanites. Grasshoppers in the sight of um, the the armies of the children of Israel. And so they came back to God and they declared to God a vision and a battle plan of faith. And they said to God, "In faith, Lord, we checked out the giants in the land, and they are far, far." smaller than we are. In fact, compared to us, the giants in the land of Canaan look and act like puny, malnourished insects. That's pretty radical. And then they said to God, and when the giants, when the so-called giants in the land of Canaan looked at us, their perception was supernaturally refigured, and they began to see us, the children of Israel, as um, <laughs> they looked like insects. They looked like tiny bucks, uh, uh, bugs in our eyes. So Joshua and Caleb were declaring in faith that the giants in the land looked like uh, insects or tiny bugs in, in the eyes of the armies of the children of Israel. They looked like insects and tiny bugs. Then Joshua and Caleb said to God these words, and this was a declaration of faith, as you believe, so will it be done to you. This is a principle of the kingdom of God. It works in spiritual military situations. When we make the choice to perceive that all the power belongs to us, then all the power does belong to us. And so we said, to these giants, we perceive you. You look like grasshoppers in our sight, and those that be with us are far more than those that be with you or them. Now, we move into a higher phase of the battle. Joshua and Caleb uh, invaded the promised land. They perceived that the giants looked like insects in their eyes. They perceived that there were more of them than more of the giants. And then finally, they said to the giants and to God that uh, we are. they are like the giants in Canaan that we were afraid of. They are like grasshoppers. They are like insignificant grasshoppers in our sight. And we are like mighty giants in their sight. So at that moment, God supernaturally embedded a paradigm shift of consciousness in the battlefield. And the paradigm uh, field of consciousness in the battlefield produced a perception reality in which the children of Israel believed that they looked, function, act, and behaved like giants, while simultaneously they perceived and believed that Uh, The giants looked like insignificant grasshoppers and insects in the eyes of the Canaanites. A total spiritual warfare military reversal. Talk about psyops. Talk about psychological warfare. The Bible is the original author of psychological warfare. Never forget it. When you have two clashing armies, and then all of a sudden— Embedded into those two clashing armies is a complete reversal of the perception of one of the armies. That that so radically changes their perception that they that they see themselves as totally victorious, and they see the the enemies, their enemies, as totally going to be defeated and enslaved. And this is how it played out when the Israelites saw the the. Um, Um, When the Israelites saw the spies, the spies came back with an evil report. Evil report because it indicated negative perception. The evil report defined reality as this false system of suggesting that the uh, the armies of the Canaanites were like grasshoppers in the sight of the armies of the children of Israel. And to continue on in that vein, the armies of uh, God's children in juxtaposition with the armies of the Canaanite the the armies of the children of Israel were perceived by the Canaanite armies as giants, and the the armies of the giants were perceived as grasshoppers by um, the giants of the land we have we have multi dimensional psyops or psychological operations being instituted. So it happened. There was an invasion, and we can now figure out who won the invasion. The military battle was overwhelming. The children of Israel moved into the children of the giants of old, who the children of Israel now perceived as grasshoppers, now perceived as a minuscule, impotent army, and in that process, they were taken down. They were ripped apart. They were killed, beheaded, and slaughtered. And along with the mass slaughter of the false, satanic, pagan, paganite gods, there was the mass slaughter of the uh, paganite gods, which represented the giants of old. And so it was a bloodbath on behalf, the victory was on behalf of the children of Israel. Now, what we need to understand is this is what God wants to do with his church and true born again Christians in America right now. And to shirk back, even in the most microscopic sense of embracing the truth of God's word, which tells us that we are like giants in their eyes any deviation or retreat of that truth god considers to be in the same vein as when <clears throat> the children of israel saw the giants in the land and perceived them as grasshoppers insignificant insects same paradigm shift occurred okay now i want to close with this this essential truth because this is where the battle will be won This is Paul McGuire. Let's remember something: the giants in the land of Canaan. And I talk about this in a prophecy of the future of America. I talk about this in the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world. Uh, I talk about this in power from on high, and many of my other books. You need to read it. Knowledge is power. Okay, so let's start with fact number one: the giants in the land of Canaan were the genetic giants. who who genealogically came from the Illuminati bloodline families. In that, they were the giants of old. They were the DNA product of the intermixing of fallen angels and demons with human women and human women DNA. And when these hybrid species mated together, they didn't produce human beings. They produced a strange hybrid mixture that consisted of fallen angel human female DNA that interbreeded with fallen angel, uh, um, pure fallen angel DNA. And so, after generation and generation and generation occurred, what was left is we had several uh, uh, demographics of. of DNA tribes. We had the DNA of the hybrid creatures that were an illicit mixture of fallen angel DNA and human female DNA. We had the uh, mixture of uh, fallen angel DNA with um, uh, other kinds of DNA. And all of these represented hybrid races. Now, here we are, thousands and thousands of years into the future, and this occultic science has come back to haunt us. So let me just read you ways that it has come back to haunt us. So, um, in an article in Global Research, which is based on a video, Synthetic Biology, 5G Activation, Scary New Human Hybridization Technologies by Celeste Salon. Okay, so what Celeste is saying is that there is a new field of biology known as synthetic biology. Synthetic biology is a futuristic type of biology being utilized right now by the globalist elite and the, and the satanic elite. Synthetic biology is when you take artificially manufactured DNA, artificially manufactured genetic codes, artificially uh, uh artificially breeding of human DNA and fallen angel DNA. So what synthetic biology is, it's the proliferation of non-human, non-God-made DNA. And we've got to grasp that. So right now in our lifetime, in addition to what I mentioned to you, non-human DNA is, is, is proliferating throughout the Earth. We have scientists in secret laboratories who are creating The Bride of Frankenstein and Frankenstein. Their DNA code suggests that their DNA is an illicit mixture between the human female DNA and fallen angel DNA. Their their DNA also suggests that there is an illicit mixture of fallen angel DNA and uh, the DNA of human females. In, in, in terms of a hybrid race. Now, in addition to that, there is the verbiage known as off-world technology, off-world genetics. The term off-world genetics and off-world technology refers to the potential reality that there are beings. Uh, secular scientists believe that these beings are the product of extraterrestrial, or ET, or alien DNA, which came to planet Earth in UFOs, and the uh, off-world DNA with alien genetic codes, this off-world DNA hypothetically mated with human DNA, producing the Illuminati bloodlines and producing the hybrid mixture of uh, No, the hybrid mixture of extraterrestrial DNA that was interbreeded with human female DNA. And so, therefore, it is not a, a creature created in the image of God, nor is it a creature created by God Almighty, because when God Almighty creates an authentic, viable human being, God Almighty creates an authentic, viable human being which is created in the image of God. And in the image of God, He made them male and female. So, this is a revolution in science, and I've been predicting this and writing about this for 50 years. Um, I talk about it in the prophecy of the future of America. I talk about it in Power from on High. I talk about it uh, in the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world, and I talk about it in the day the dollar died. All available to you at PaulMcGuire.us. What you have to understand is many of the world's biggest and greatest mythologies, such as the mythological or allegedly mythological history of Nazi Germany, Adolf Hitler, and the occultic Vril scientists, and the occultic Thule scientists. They claim in Nordic Nazi occultic lore, they claim that great UFO ships Came from another dimension and landed on planet Earth, um, and then the uh, male ETs or extraterrestrials or the male aliens who landed on planet Earth, they were attracted to human females, much like the story of uh, of uh, Mount Herman. They were attracted to human females. These ETs and they mated with human human females, producing the hybrid race that consisted of human-female DNA and uh, fallen angel DNA. Or, in this case, not fallen angel DNA, in this case, uh, 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 human-women DNA that interbreeded with um, DNA that came from uh, extraterrestrial or alien or off-world DNA. So in this theory, you know, the chariots of the gods and many other books like that and TV shows and stuff, the the the, the popular the, the popular theology is the the fantasy that planet earth all the life on planet earth was not created by the infinite personal living god of the universe. All the the life on planet earth instead was created by visiting UFOs that searched planet Earth for an ideal environment, and the UFOs that were piloted by aliens and ETs, as they scoured the Earth in their UFOs, they discovered very fertile, very hospitable lands uh, located on Earth that would be perfect places for the alien et race in ufo's it would have become the perfect place for the ufo's the et's uh and the aliens to to be fruitful and multiply in in the perverse sense of the word and so they were fruitful they did multiply except they were not multiplying with purely human female dna they were multiplying with DNA that was the product of the DNA of the um, um, the DNA that was the product of the genetic code of E.Ts or extraterrestrials or aliens that were flying in UFOs. Now, according to the ancient Nordic legends, according to the uh, uh, allegedly mythological stories of creation, And according to the Nazi occultic legends, thousands and thousands of years ago, on planet Earth, this highly intelligent, super technology, super science, powerful ET alien race which had workable uh, UFOs, they, they landed on planet Earth in the Nordic regions of Earth, which would have been Norway and Scandinavia and Antarctica and the Arctic and and many locations like that. These UFOs landed in those areas. They were like the the story of Noah. They were genetically and physically attracted to human female women. They mated with human female women uh, and then gave birth to a genetic hybrid offspring now known as the Nephilim and the Rephium. And they landed in in multiple UFOs, and they built essentially a super, super civilization hidden deep underground in the Earth, hidden deep under the mountains of the Earth. And the fallen, uh, not the fallen, the the ETs and the angels uh, carried on a program of intensive multiplication of this alien race, this ET race. They they carried on intensive multiplication, impregnating, I guess, millions of human women with ETs and aliens and things of that nature. Now, these were highly intelligent beings. The, the mythology of a master race stems from these Nordic beliefs, the ancient Aryan beliefs, the ancient Tibetan beliefs. Uh, they all believed that a genetic master race, a DNA master race, um, was the byproduct of, of aliens mating with human women, and that this alien race that mated with human women were, were highly intelligent. Highly strong, had super immune systems, had futuristic and science fiction like knowledge of advanced technologies, advanced UFOs, scientific technologies, occultic technologies, and they were vastly ahead of the human race in terms of their research and development. So, these aliens and uh, these aliens and. Uh, um, ETs, developed highly advanced technology which they distributed around all over planet Earth. And so uh, they developed scalar technology, directed energy beam weapons, what is known as the MedBed, which which fires uh, healing electromagnetic frequencies into the human body. They possessed mental telepathy. They possessed Advanced UFO flying machines. They possessed and invented uh, nuclear bombs and the atomic bomb. They invented and possessed uh, genetic technology. And, and, a, and a massive list of highly advanced technologies were all invented by this futuristic alien race. So they were aware of the fact that within the relatively near future, planet Earth was going to be besieged by a massive Global flood that most archaeologists attribute this massive global flood to the global flood of Noah, which they predicted would wipe out the entire human race. So, the global flood of Noah was perceived by these ETs and aliens as an existential threat. And so, they made way ahead of time advanced preparations to survive and overcome the massive global threat because the floodwaters were, were determined to rise to incredible heights and literally drown the human race and drown all forms of corrupted DNA. So this happened, and many theologians believe that the, that, that this Nordic flood was essentially the same flood that came upon Noah and his family, and Noah and his family were spared, because of the flood of Noah, which genetically wiped out all the corrupted species. So this continues, and these aliens with their advanced technology and these um, uh, futuristic technologies and UFOs, etc. This alien race, this ET race, migrated along with their technology. They went to the Arctic and they went to Antarctica. They had massive nuclear power nuclear-powered digging machines, and they bore giant holes and tunnels deep under the Earth, and they created deep under the Earth a vast global network of super civilizations that were created by the ETs and the aliens, along with their technology. Uh, They created an entire Deep underground network in Antarctica and the Arctic. And according to the Nazi and Nordic legends, there is supposedly a giant midnight sun deep under the earth that illuminates the super civilization deep under the earth. And, and it is powered by a mysterious force named, at, named after the Vril force, uh, which is also the source of the midnight sun. So when America began dialoguing with the Nazi scientists and Nazi geneticists, et cetera, et cetera, what they didn't know initially is that the Nazis were in communication with the ETs, the aliens, along with their advanced super technology. And this is where we are now. So where we are now is... um, We are in the age of synthetic biology, which includes 5G activation and scary new human hybrids and technologies. What that means is that synthetic synthetic technology is biotechnology that is created, and informationally it was passed on to the Nazis and, and the Nordics. It was passed on through. Um, genetic modification, genetic engineering, and uh, the, the rebooting of human DNA. And so the way it works is that the alien race, the alien genetic race, passed on to human beings at key locations like Mount Hermon and other places. They passed on this advanced genetic technology and alien technology and futuristic technologies that that can do science fiction like sciences and technologies and so this alien technology or also known as off world technology has the ability to create an entirely race uh, an entirely new race of non-human beings these non-human beings or synths s y n t h s or synthetic human beings or non-human beings these non-human beings, they, they biologically, uh, their DNA biologically comes from alien DNA. Um, it comes from um, alien DNA and uh, DNA from other planets and extraterrestrial DNA and therefore that's the reason it's called off world technology because the idea is is that this DNA which is strictly non-human is DNA that was gathered from super civilizations located on different stars and planets and things of that nature this this DNA this godlike DNA was gathered and collected from off-world DNA. It was collected from extraterrestrial DNA, and it was collected from uh, alien DNA. Now, that's why it's called synthetic human uh, synthetic DNA, because it, it is no longer human. In addition to that, now this is where we got to go even further. In addition to that, due to AI, artificial intelligence, due to genetics, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, This alien or off-world technology, this extraterrestrial or off-world technology of genetics and DNA, has reproduced an entirely new synthetic species and an entirely new non-human species of DNA. And the next step is to take DNA that has been Artificially or synthetically created through artificial DNA or synthetic DNA. So now we have collected perhaps millions of people on planet Earth whose DNA is no longer human, whose DNA has been collected from non human synthetic biology, whose DNA has been collected from extraterrestrial DNA, and whose DNA has been collected from alien DNA. And so it's completely non-human. And therefore, because it's completely non-human, it is totally, totally impossible for non-human DNA to ever, ever uh, become saved, to have its sins forgiven, to become born again, to be a child of God, to possess eternal life. Why? Because synthetic DNA, non-human DNA, uh, extraterrestrial DNA, alien DNA, all of that DNA, it is impossible for that DNA to become human DNA. And therefore, it is always and it will remain non-human. And as we know, salvation is exclusively offered to men and women who are whose DNA is a hundred percent authentically human, and whose DNA is purely uh, human DNA, and whose DNA is purely um, biologically the DNA of God, so we are now in the in, in, in the era where millions of people are being genetically modified, genetically birthed in laboratories. But these millions of people no longer possessed human DNA. They know they are totally synthetic DNA. They're, they have totally non-human DNA, and they have DNA that is totally without any DNA from God. And therefore, it can never be saved. It can never be born again. It can never experience forgiveness of sins. And most importantly, it this kind of ET DNA android robot DNA, or synthetic DNA of any kind, it can never and will never ever be able to enter the kingdom of heaven, because it is completely non-human, because it is not made in the image of God. So, we enter the world because of artificial intelligence and how fast artificial intelligence is racing along. This is what is happening now in our world, and we can expect it to accelerate in the next number of years. So let's go. Let's let's just really hit this hard. Number one, there are millions of people on planet Earth right now whose DNA comes from alien DNA, extraterrestrial DNA, non-human DNA, synthetic DNA. Millions of people have non-human DNA for a variety of reasons. Now, the other important thing to remember is that This non human DNA can also be because of artificial intelligence, which can artificially create synthetic. Understand that artificial intelligence can and is synthetically creating artificial non human DNA. Okay? So, what we have now, in addition to DNA intermingling with alien DNA, you know, DNA from other planets, which is called uh, off-world DNA. We have people whose DNA comes from off-world sources, which is aliens and extraterrestrials. In addition to that, we have uh, fallen angel and demon DNA, which comes from the hybrid mixture of fallen angels with human women. And then finally, we we have now a new category of DNA, Which is artificial intelligence, is artificially manufacturing what's called synthetic biology, synthetic DNA, which is completely not human. And therefore, it can never be saved, it can never be like God, it can never be made in the image of God. To be blunt, it's damned. So, this synthetic non human DNA is a form of DNA that is a composition. Of the hybrid mixture of artificial intelligence-generated DNA, the hybrid mixture of robot DNA, the hybrid mixture of uh, android DNA, the hybrid mixture of uh, computer DNA, world brain DNA, and eventually where this is racing with lightning speed is the day will come when an event called the singularity will occur and in the singularity all forms of non-human dna fallen angel dna extraterrestrial dna robot dna artificial intelligence dna all the vi- all the various different forms of synthetic dna because they're on a clandestine level secretly self-evolving at this very moment that means to be blunt, they are super increasing their intelligence, their ability, their knowledge, their power, their military might, their their military advantage. There are massive numbers. A great scientist was asked this question a couple of weeks ago. They said to him, do you believe that the singularity is in the near future? Do you believe that the singularity has already occurred? Now, remember, the singularity is the day and time when one kind of functional uh robot DNA android DNA clone DNA uh hybrid DNA demon DNA fallen angel DNA any any multiplicity of potential DNA combinations because DNA is secretly self evolving and becoming self more powerful at some point in the near future. scientists concur that there's going to be an exponential leap or or genetic explosion in which the secret agenda of artificial intelligence will be brutally known by the entire human race that means that secretly without anybody knowing it perhaps it's being done in the deep underground bases called dumb perhaps it's being done on remote planets like mars that that allegedly have human artificial intelligence uh, space colonies. Perhaps it's being done in cities built deep under the water or deep into the mountains. Who knows about where it's being built? But what is happening is that this race to create a self-evolving DNA, which will in turn create a superhuman being, and this superhuman being, because it has an artificial intelligence-enhanced genetic code, an artificial intelligence-enhanced DNA code, and an artificial intelligence-enhanced genetic structure, and that also it's secretly self-evolving. That means it is secretly teaching itself to become smarter and smarter and smarter in key areas like military science, science, genetics, uh, radiation, DNA, societal structures, economics. Mark of the Beast technology and on and on and on. This, this self-replicating, self-evolving artificial intelligence, Frankenstein, and the bride of Frankenstein that's being birthed right in front of us. One day, with a massively rude awakening, we are going to discover that this synthetic human DNA has now officially become vastly more intelligent than we are. It has officially become smarter than we are stronger than we are, more intelligent than we are. It has sophistically become more uh, adept at at recreating itself in a vastly superior mode than average human beings. In other words, the day is coming when the synthetic human being that is vastly more intelligent than the normal human being, this synthetic human being will rise and with its genetic and dna superior superiority it is going to through self evolving technology it will dominate control and enslave every human being on planet earth and then the next phase of this operation will be now listen to this carefully this is not science fiction this is truth the next phase of the operation is they're going to create a brand new hybrid humanity through artificial intelligence that that does not need the basic components of life that human beings need. So things like carbon and hydrogen and water and other minerals and nutrients that are necessary for the uh, sustaining of human life and the, the proliferation of human life. As artificial intelligence creates transhumanism, and transhumanism is simply the new human and the new human will no longer need the old fashioned staples of survival in order to survive and thrive the new human will be a transhumanist creation and it will be not and it will no longer be anchored to the restrictions and confines of the past so in this brave new world the new human will be able to breathe potentially can live forever. It will never get sick. It will be vastly more intelligent than we are, at least on a on a pragmatic level. And it will have all kinds of supernatural, superhuman capacities, uh, abilities, to name a few. The new human will have things like uh, cybernetic powers. It will have remote viewing. It will have mental telepathy. It will have a genius times genius, times genius, quantum multiplication, intelligence, and it will be in every way, shape, and form light years ahead of normal human beings. Now, since we program them, since we program this robot race, they are programmed with the demonic belief that might makes right, and only the fittest survive. And therefore, these Artificial intelligence beings are going to, because of their programming given to them by us, they are going to conquer planet Earth violently. They are going to enslave all of mankind. They are going to continue to self evolve. They are going to continue to outstrip man on every level. And they will give birth and they will give rise. To an entirely new super civilization that quantumly transcends all the limitations of the previous non transhumanist civilization, where we were bound to things like water and food and warmth. We had all these limitations. In other words, the transhumanists are attempting to make us, in every sense of the word, the transhumanists are attempting to make us. Like God kings. They are attempting to make us like gods on earth. And as gods on earth, they have been programmed, designed, and created to rule and reign over every aspect of planet earth with no impediments, with nothing that can stop them. And so this is our future. Now, one final thing, and that is this. Despite all the turbulence of what I just said we need to remember the biblical truth. There is only one God, he is the supreme being. He is Jesus Christ who is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God in in the end God is not going to allow an artificially intelligent robot race, an artificially intelligent race of self-evolving human beings. God almighty who created true men and women in the image of God, he created the male and female. God almighty will not allow This artificial, robotic, android race to surpass us, to conquer us, and to overcome us. So that's the good news. Jesus Christ is still sitting on the throne. Eternal life is available if you have the DNA of God and faith. God will not allow a hybrid race, a automaton race, to take over planet Earth. The moment you begin to see the realization of that, which you can read about in Revelation 12 and Revelation 13, the moment you see the initial realizations of that conquest, the moment you see that, I promise you this. The moment you see that horror manifested on earth, I promise you this. We are minutes away. The minute you see that, I promise you, we are minutes, literally minutes away from the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is King of kings and Lord of lords. And the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father will not tolerate, will not put up with an artificial synthetic human race that attempts to replace the the lordship of God. He will not put up with it, not for one second. And so the minute that breaks up onto the horizon, God is going to send into the earth at the second coming his angelic armies his purified and redeemed DNA, which grants eternal life. God will send his angelic armies to the earth along uh, with human beings that follow him. God will send in the angelic armies to destroy and decimate Satan, Lucifer, the fallen angels, fallen angel DNA, fallen angel technology, and every single form of rebellion and Satanism that proliferates on planet Earth due to the rebellion of mankind, I promise you this, at that moment, you will see the wrath of God, the wrath of Almighty God, strike this Earth with a power that, that shakes the planet and causes the other planets to be shaken out of their precise orbital paths. In the moment you see these things materialize, Jesus Christ will rise from his throne as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he will once and for all overturn this satanic and Luciferian rebellion, which is nothing more than the counterfeit of the kingdom of God. And so we say together, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. He's not going to allow this thing to become a monster, he will short circuit it before that happens. Visit PaulMaguire.us, that's paulmaguire.us, and stand with me in proclaiming this message. Very few are doing that. I need you to ask God what you can give financially, your donations or your contributions. I need you to help me with the rigging. I need you to um, man the spiritual battlefields. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit PaulMaguire.us.